0: Let's talk about intimate partner violence or IPV. It's described as physical, sexual, or emotional abuse or controlling behavior, which is inflicted uh, by an intimate partner. Now, approximately 80% of police reported victims of IPV in Canada are women, and among the most common, yet often underrecognized injuries sustained by victims of IP, IPV is traumatic brain injury, which can range from a concussion to more severe structural injuries, uh, including hemorrhage or, or bleeding. Now last week, uh, former Vancouver connect Trevor Linden uh, partnered with the YWCA here in Metro Vancouver uh, to launch a rather chilling campaign to raise awareness about concussions from domestic abuse. Take a listen. I don't remember the hit. I remember everything leading up to it, but nothing after. He came from behind me. I didn't see it coming. I was hit in the side of the head. I remember being confused. My ears were ringing. It's hard to talk about. I still experience pain, mood swings. The headaches are debilitating. But this isn't my story. It's mine. As you can tell, uh, an incredibly... amazing uh, PSA in regards to this issue because as uh, Mr. Linden there was narrating uh, his experience, you expect him to obviously talk about uh, uh, what he went through as an NHL player, then of course at the end you heard a female's voice. Uh, It is a reminder of IPV that many of us haven't talked about IPV. Joining me now to talk a little bit about intimate partner violence is Dr. Cheryl Wellington. She's a professor and vice chair of research for the Department of Pathology and Labor medicine at UBC, Doctor Wellington. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here.
0: What did you think of uh, this PSA from Mister Linden and uh, the YWCA at YWCA here in Metro Vancouver, especially with a male voice helping to raise the profile uh, for this issue?
1: the The this bit was an incredibly impactful uh, uh, campaign launch. Uh, To hear the the message from from Trevor, um, as you said, we are expecting him to recount sport related concussion. And by now, sport related concussion is is very commonly acknowledged. And there are so many resources in place to help with athletes recover, receive an appropriate diagnosis and do the best that they can to get back into play. But turning that on its head and realizing the vastness of the, the, uh, you know, the, the number of women and families that are affected by intimate partner violence, it's an exceptionally important endeavor. And I just want to congratulate uh, Trevor and the YWCA for, for this campaign. Uh,
0: in regards to uh, IPV, um, what's the chance of these victims... In regards to developing mental health conditions, having to deal with this sustained violence—it's
1: a really good question, uh, Jazz. And, and one of the one of the challenges we have is that there—you know—there's there's obviously stigma around coming forward with intimate partner violence concerns. A lot of the medical personnel. Uh, do not specifically ask for, um, you know, what what the history might be, whether there are problems at home that could lead to uh, damage to the brain uh, after sustaining, you know, in many cases, repetitive concussions or or, uh, choking episodes that are more correctly termed non-fatal strangulation. But we want to be able to Get rid of that stigma uh, and really raise awareness that this is a problem that should be addressed uh, just as much as we tackle sport-related concussions in in kids. Uh, And we're very, very fortunate here in British Columbia to have a team of people that have been absolutely instrumental in bringing this uh, this topic to the the forefront of awareness and, and research. Um, and so these are Dr. Paul Van Dunkler and uh, Karen Mason, who launched the survivors of, ab- of supporting survivors of abuse uh, and through research, the mm-hmm. SOAR project. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just gaining incredible momentum and they've done so much already to, to, wa- to raise the awareness. So we are now in a position to, to do a lot more uh, to understand how to better uh, help survivors of intimate partner violence if they have concerns over their neurological function uh to uh to get the help that they need the support that they need the diagnosis that they need that can really help them get on their way
0: so i have the same question but on Two issues here. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. start a little bit about the care. When we talk about the there's physical violence and then there's also the challenges of uh, post-traumatic stress. Is our Mm -hmm. standard of care or care uh, coordinated uh, on the medical side to help these women?
1: Overall I I think we're starting to to get there. We have some models in, in British Columbia uh, primarily, the Embrace Clinic, which runs out of Surrey Memorial Hospital, that is unique in Canada for being a dedicated clinic to serve survivors of interpersonal violence. So, um, and, and it's just remarkable what they have been able to do over the past 20 or so years. What we're trying to do now is really augment and expand. Uh, uh, what they're doing, and uh, to have other support for similar clinics to be able to care for for survivors within their communities, uh, with the you know with, with their culturally sensitive contexts, mm-hmm. uh, and and these because these are so important uh, to be able to break past some of the barriers that may prevent survivors from coming forward um and you know and, and getting the care that they need that that are now almost routinely offered to uh, people that sustain a concussion from from other causes.
0: Mm-hmm. So the, the, that is the question was based on sort of the health and medical side. The other one is just the mm-hmm. system itself, which is mm-hmm. well, I think of temporary housing, uh, the criminal justice system, um, mental health help. I mean, the, the system itself in regards to responding to these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Where would you like to see? Where do you think we need to focus on to improve it? And because it's it can be the obviously a call to a police officer who arrives at the scene, but it's also everything else. Some of the things you have raised already, shelters and temporary housing and mm-hmm. being culturally sensitive. How are we in regards to coordinating those services?
1: We're again, I think making strides and this is this is where uh, a lot of the the people in BC that that are working on this issue have really made a tremendous product progress. Uh, Karen and her colleagues have already created a specific um, uh, aspect of the concussion awareness training tool it's called the CAT that is now directed to women support workers Um, and we want to go further in building these modules for first responders for police for paramedics uh uh, um, child support workers uh so that they can receive the training that they might be dealing with uh one or you know uh, could be this first concussion could be the 20th concussion Mm -hmm. when they respond Uh, and but the, the the need is so great to have that awareness uh, filter through all of the women's support uh, worker and child support worker um, uh, sectors so that we can make sure that we are not rushing uh, women who are able to make a decision and, and- wish to exit the relationship, that we're not rushing them through the process and supporting them in making the decisions and recovering from, you know, a a brain injury if it has been sustained. There's Uh, a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah, there is. I think you nailed it uh, it right on the head. There's a lot of work to do. Tell me what it was like 10 years ago or even 15 years ago to talk about this issue. I'm sure as as academics, you talk about this, as health professionals, you talk about this. But in regards to the broader cultural conversation, uh, I'm going to assume there was very little to none at that point.
1: Well, you you ask a really good question. I mean, I didn't. I I've only been I, involved in this uh, in this area of, of research and, and care for the past oh maybe three to four years or so. Mm-hmm. And I come from a background where I've worked uh, for a long time on on traumatic brain injury, on concussion, and as well as the links of brain injury to Dementia risk and Alzheimer's uh, and other forms of neurodegenerative disease. So my, my background is in that area. But when Paul and Karen began to speak about IPV and the potential for brain injury, the nuances of how this cannot be addressed by simply transposing what we already do, in the more, like, more standard, typical TBI studies or in the way that we look after um, Alzheimer's disease patients, we need to really do this from the ground up where we are focusing on the needs of this specific population. And I have been humbled uh, as, a, you know, as a professor who's been in the business for quite a long time. I've been humbled by the nuances and the importance of tackling this problem and really honored to be part of the, you know, the larger team that is, that is getting ready to, to hopefully make a big difference for, for these survivors.
0: Dr. Wellington, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate the chance to speak about this incredibly important issue.